Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM Network. And you are joined by Danuta and my wonderful co-host Lawson. Lawson, good morning to you. Good morning, Danuta. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Oh, really, really good. Look, you know, we, we were up at Casino with my husband. Of course, we had um, an Aboriginal regional day at the mm. church up there and the church was packed. We... Oh, wow. Just the fellowship, the music, the sermon, everything was just absolutely... F- and the food, so much food. We oh, know that's a- awesome. You would have loved it because I, I know you love it. food. I, I like <laughs> eating, dude, and it's just... Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So we travelled back yesterday. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's always so much involved. You know, it's a huge day. So mm-hmm. grateful for so many things. Yeah, and good that you, and what about you have a rest yesterday as well. You know, just make your way back here and travel back and, and now you here and, and I heard your dog's doing better as well. Yeah, yeah, we got Bindi back. She's mm. kind of, you know, settled down with her wound on her head and everything mm. and yeah, the, the other dog is just, they're just happy, happy to be it's back happy, together. Happy, they were just like content, just Amazing. rolled up together. Hey, Lawson, and you're, you're grateful for? Uh, I'm grateful. I don't know. I did a quiz yesterday. I got 10 out of 10. So I'm like, hey. I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> this I'm, is at uni, of course. Uh, of yeah, course. Yeah. <laughs> at, at uni for my degree. I'm also, I'm speaking this weekend at oh. Avondale University Church. So if oh, anyone's cool. in the area, come along. I've just been preparing for that and, and looking forward to it. Really looking forward to you know being able to speak there. I I've, I'm involved in the, in the ministry team there and Fabulous. just looking to kind of actually launch some things and and see some things go forward in the church. But yeah, God is really good. Also, just studying, just going to class every day. You know, just getting it done. I'm really we're into, getting into the uni it really life. Well. We're God, in the uni life. You. We're in the grind. <laughs> we're studying. We're doing our readings. We're picking our research topics. Like all these things. So God is good. Fabulous. And study is fantastic. And coming up on today's show, we have findings with lizards that might actually help people with osteoarthritis, which is a really fascinating new finding. We're also going into our Bible study time, going further on Ephesians 4, Christ-shaped lives and spirit-inspired speech, putting on new clothing symbolically. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey, Lawson, um, we've got a really exciting thing here with the cookbook, but what I'd love us to do is we would love to actually welcome somebody. Well, which town are we going to to welcome for Faith FM this morning? Right. As we do every morning. I, I was thinking on the weekend about that one meander, how you're saying like meander. Meander, meander And of Tasmania. course, like, you know, Shell was in Tassie over the weekend, but I don't think she got to meander, hey? Uh, <laughs> oh, you might have You been, went like, to you meander. Did. No. no, oh, but you were meandering. <laughs> you were meandering. Ah, okay, That's okay, the thing. Enough. Hey, I so. was. I would have been so impressed because, like, just to give them a shout out and then just show up there. Hey, you're listening to the breakfast show this morning, and our town to shout out for today is Crow's Nest in, oh, in Queensland. I've been there. You've been to Crow's Nest? Yeah, yeah. It's like out. I drove, drove through a Brisbane. jungle from Stanhope. Oh wow. Stanthorpe one time with Mum through this jungle area 
it right through to Crow's Nest. Yeah, it's just north of, of the womb, Toowoomba. Uh, just the womb. Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's what the locals call it. <laughs> right, uh, I've okay. never been to Toowoomba, but I'm just going to claim that it's anyway. beautiful, Toowoomba. Yeah, well, i got some friends living up there. I might potentially head up there within the next semester because I've got friends up there who are like, hey, Lawson, come on, come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, shout out Crow's Nest and people living in that area of, which I don't know if you'd call that central Queensland. It could still be south. Yeah, it'd be south Queensland still. Right. So, hey, if you're living there, if you're out there in Crow's Nest or you know Crow's Nest, you've been to Crow's Nest, you've hung out in Crow's Nest, let us know. 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. And we are going to get into our first quiz for today, for our for our quiz this week. For we, our quiz this we week. We did yeah. have some issues on Friday. We had our draw yesterday. And now we are getting into it for the prize this week, which is a fantastic one you won't want to miss out on. Mm. But our first question this morning, in the many parables told by Jesus, none of them make reference to specific place names with the exception of... Of one, and it's in that one parable that Jesus make reference. Jesus makes reference to two place names, Jerusalem and Jericho. What is the name of the parable in which these two names are mentioned? Mm. Okay, is it the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan? Or the parable of the ten virgins. Mm. I think again to distill the question down here. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of the parables uses place names. Yes. The rest of them don't. Yeah, that, that that's it in a nutshell. That those Which, several lines that you just read. <laughs> that, that's right. Which parable uses or references the locations of Jerusalem and Jericho? Is it the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan, or the parable of the ten virgins? Now, guys, you are want wanting to answer this question this morning. You A, B, C, or D, just chuck an answer in. Preferably correct. Absolutely. Because we have a book to give away for our quiz this morning. It is the book Silver Hills Spa Cuisine, which comes from an incredible lady. Her name is Cecil Gordon. She is a chef at Silver Hills, which is uh, mm. basically a complex that is a spa. It's it's a health center, essentially, wow. where people can go, get checked up. And the they have been perfecting vegan like Western vegan cooking oh, since fabulous. the 1980s. Wow. So in in the blurb of the book, it tells all about how this this lady, she wanted to, you know, produce meals that would be good for her family to eat and to lead her family and to lead those who are coming to the clinic and whatnot to not need dairy products anymore. Wow. And so this has been perfected and, and tested That's and gone home through over the last... 40 years, guys. So if you want this incredible vegan cookbook, you just need to answer these questions correctly. Again, that first question of the day today, it's Jerusalem and Jericho. Which uh, which parable are those two cities featured in? Is it the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan, or the parable of the ten virgins? 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Danuta, what is happening in the world of positively different news? Oh, some really positive stuff is coming out, um, fascinatingly, from the University of Southern California. Okay. And it's relating to osteoarthritis. Do you know anyone with osteoarthritis? Uh, I know that... Ooh. 
my well not osteo so not because it's like spinal right mm. yeah well it's pain in, pain, pain in, in different areas different areas yeah okay yeah cool i know that my dad his hands have got like got some some stuff going on in them and they're getting less and less mobile so mm. he's 60 now and you know he's still pushing through he's like such a gun he's like re- oh, quite oh, quite fit him. and working all the time and whatnot uh which i don't know it's pretty pretty expectable for someone at like 60 yeah but uh but yeah he's he's starting to like feel it in his hands because of his trade and, and mm. all of those things. and that could be rheumatoid arthritis which is a com- another common one too mm. Um, and, and, and so you're right, you know, people suffer with that and they actually push through some of that pain. But there's a lot of, um, people that also do suffer with, um, osteoarthritis. In fact, there's probably close to about, um, I would say, yeah, just under a million Australians who actually have osteoarthritis, mm. which is quite, pretty high, really, isn't mm. it? Don't you think? Yeah, and it's actually more common in females than it is in males. And of course, it actually affects the, it's, it's when the cartilages and other tissues break down and change in their structure. And so the arthritis is, is, ends in the bones wearing down and it happens gradually and it worsens over time so i know some people that actually have osteoarthritis and it's really painful for them in the joints in the hands in the neck in the lower back in their knees and in their hips so just a range of a whole lot of areas and mm. um and there's no cure for it un- unfortunately mm. and so they just keep pushing through but here's the interesting thing that has actually been found is is they found that um, researchers have actually found that lizards can regenerate their tails and they actually could lead to arthritis treatment, which is mm. amazing. So they might actually hold the key to cartilage cell, um, uh, uh, you know, replacement, which is really fascinating because what actually happens with lizards is when they actually have predators to escape them, they'll actually shed their tails. Mm. And within 60 days, that actually grows back again but it's actually replaced by cartilage, which is fascinating. Now, the thing is within humans, um, they can't actually, you know, cartilage can't actually mm. be replaced or re- regenerated, which is interesting. And so the thing is what they find, what they've found in the Keck School of Medicine in the University of Southern California is that they've identified these key cells in the cartilage that could actually possibly lead to being able to regenerate cartilage in or, or to actually help towards having better better systems there, you know, with regenerating the cartilage mm. for humans, which is fascinating. So mm. they actually shed – so the lizards shed these. And actually the interesting thing is that the cartilage – is actually does not harden to bone, which is really interesting. And it's also closest to the relatives to the mammals that can actually regenerate. Mm-hmm. So with these lizards, they're the closest to the mammal um, mammal family. And so they've, they've discovered that it's about a bit of a dream come true, that they're finding the way that actually could actually help humans. So the, this That's is how incredible. it happens. The fibroblast, which is a critical cell type that builds cartilage, it's found that it changes to the activity in the genes among the partic- particular fibroblast cells and could actually bring about the rebuilding of cartilage. So, okay, so isn't you, that just fascinating? If you can rebuild cartilage in the joints, which is something that, like, so I have a cartilage issue in my right. left knee, so this is something that would probably uh, You're going like, me. I want this. <laughs> uh, no, my left knee, right, my right knee. So I've got a cartilage issue. And if you can just regenerate cart- cartilage... 
And you could just get, like, where, where does it stop? How, how are we oh, just going to be able to just have fully working bones until the day we die? Like in, in terms of our joints and whatnot, like I, I'm, I'm wondering the effectiveness of this when they, when they, obviously when they take the steps of, of using this on humans and, yeah. and then seeing widespread trials, I, I'm like, wow. Well, this is something that I would definitely be looking into and I'm, I'm definitely, there leading. you go. But, uh, but. It's it's real. I'm I'm starting to think it's like okay. So they've seen cells in a lizard, and then I put those yeah, cells. Yeah, the cartilages are regenerated yeah. in them. And then I take that and I put it in myself, and then apparently my I don't have deterioration of my cartilage because the regeneration rate is faster than the deteriorate. But then when when where does that stop? Where like, does, does that stop? That's, that's right. Oof. So they they're excited about these findings because they're hoping that it may lead to the being able to use it with humans. And so, Absolutely. yeah, where does it stop? That's wow. the exciting thing. Oh, and look at how God created humanity and animals that we might even be able to help from have help from animals. So wow. fascinating thing in that space. Hey, what a great God we have. Absolutely. This- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Um, we're already getting our answers to the quizzes coming through just yeah. thick and fast. So it's great to see. And they're doing really well with them too. So where are we going with our next question there, Lawson? Our next question, true or false, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, Jesus is the foundation of a person's spiritual life, but some people try to build their foundation on gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw instead that's true or false so true or false according mm. to paul in first corinthians 3 jesus christ is the foundation of a person's spiritual life but some people try to build their foundation on gold silver costly stones wood hay straw or straw instead if you know the answer to that one either true or false you would go into the draw to win our amazing book for this week spark cuisine from silver hills an incredible book written by cecil gordon it's it's a vegan cookbook. It is a vegan cookbook, and you love vegan food. I love food. And you know what? I love being vegan. I know you do. Vegan hey, you food. Know. It's great. And particularly this one as well. I, 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 I'm impressed by it because it has a legacy behind it. It's mm. not, it's not, it's not some chef who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a famous chef who usually just like makes, you know, regular non-vegan food. And then now, you know, I'm just going to try my hand at vegan and say, Hey, look at all my recipe. I've been, I've been burnt by that before. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been burnt by these chefs or these fancy restaurants out here being like, we're charging a $100 vegan menu. You, oh, and then it just wow. being a piece of garbage. So uh-huh. I've been burnt by that, whereas this this has been laboured over for years and years and years. Oh, and because they have do the spa and other treatments as well with it, and mm. so people actually go and pay to, to, to pay good to money have, to eat this food. To have yeah. it. That's the thing. And you know, some people don't like vegan food or they're hesitant about the going like, I like my meat and other things. But the thing is, the, here's the key with vegan and vegetarian food, isn't it? It's the flavours, getting the flavourings right. Because Sometimes people just don't know how to go into that kind of transition to that kind of food or, or should I say even try that kind of food because they're actually really worried. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's, yeah. So we want to encourage you to 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 give us your answers. Um, do you want to give us that question again there, please, Lawson? Yeah, again, it was true or false. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, Jesus Christ is the foundation of a person's spiritual life, but some people try to build their faith 
Oh, sorry, try to build their foundation on gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw instead. True yeah. or false? 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we're going to be talking about the great battlefield of oh. New Zealand. Oh! The, 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 what is what is What's taking place there? in New Zealand now? It's not the Anzacs who are who are fighting over there. Shout out New Zealand, by the way. It's beautiful oh, place. Yeah, you know, I, I give. I, I call it God's country. Absolutely. So much. I I you know I make fun of New Zealand as a fair bit, but it, New Zealand is a fantastic place. It's a beautiful place. I was talking to someone yesterday, reflecting on my experiences in New Zealand. I've been to Auckland. I've been to Queenstown. Have you? And it's just just both of them. Beautiful, amazing cities. Beautiful. Now, the Battle of New Zealand is not mm. being waged with, with guns, uh, but with legislation and particularly in the area of smoking. There oh. is this... Well, New, New Zealand has possibly one of the most forward-thinking, interesting, progressive, but hardline. It's, 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 it's hard to classify it because it's so, so effective. And basically, New Zealand's aim is to be smoke-free by 2025. Oh, uh, I like that. They have already banned anyone after the age of... So if you're born after the year of 2009, yeah. you cannot buy cigarettes. Um, and now, obviously, people Adult. born after 2009 are currently mm. not 18. But when they become 18, like, they won't be able to buy cigarettes at all. The taxing for cigarettes is continuing to rise in an effort to basically incentivize shops to stop selling cigarettes because there will be no margins on buying cigarettes. Mm. Like, a packet of cigarettes, it, like, a pack of cigarettes here in Australia is incredibly expensive. Similarly, it, like, even more so in New Zealand as well. And why are they wanting to go, like, completely smoking-free? Well, who wouldn't want to? I mean, for like, health reasons and all, but are they just really putting it out there as to why? Yeah, it, yeah. it's well, it's essentially like for them, they've seen it as a massive burden on the health system right. to allow smoking to continue. Yeah. And the any money that they could, any profits that they could make off smoking, they're losing in their health space, particularly because uh, New Zealand has been found to be an area that is particularly susceptible to smoking. Like the rest, like, you know, if you go to many countries in Europe, whatever it may be, like smoking's huge over there too. Uh, but New Zealand as well, especially among New Zealand's lower socioeconomic community, mm. smoking is is a really big problem and it's not being addressed uh, in terms, like, well, this they haven't found any other solution to, to the, the health problems of smoking other than wow. to try and phase it out. And so they've got a fair few things in legislation to, uh, firstly being, you know, 2025, um, they're, they're, they're looking to be smoke-free by this time as it's decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. But that being said, as smoking is decreasing, vaping and particularly youth vaping has exploded. Yes. Uh, over the last couple of years, it has from 2019 to 2021 alone, it tripled. So, tripled. so youths, you know, vaping um, yep. during that time, and then now to 2023, uh, they the surveys and the statistics hasn't been released yet, but they're expecting an another like. 
it just from 2021 to 2023, another exponential rise on youth vaping as well. And of course, with vaping, there's extra chemicals in there mm-hmm. that are like really toxic chemicals. And on top of that, with vaping, I think it's, I think if I get it correct, it's about 10 times more nicotine in it yeah. than smoking. Well, so a single, so that's a, a statistic that often said is that a, a, a vape, like a nicotine, uh, like a, a thing that goes in a vape, a little pouch mm. has 10 times more um, nicotine than a cigarette. And that's because, yeah, because it's a comparable more to a packet of cigarettes. And yeah. so, but regardless, this is just at the end of the day, it's nicotine addiction in a different form. Absolutely. Studies have shown are just as harmful. Yeah. Uh, and this is if because, not more, it, it, because well, of the amount that's in the, there. The chemicals and particularly the effect on the lungs as well. Yes. Where smoking was guilty of, you know, having a pretty like awful effect on the lungs because of the scarring that it could, could produce. Yeah. Uh, vaping is doing the exact same thing, but more in the sense of it's giving people early onset pneumonia and building up scar tissue in the same way that smoking mm. was. Well, smoking again, the biggest effect of smoking was the emphysema that mm-hmm. would come, the, mm-hmm. the clogging of the, you know, the, the pores in the lungs mm. and whatnot. We're seeing the same thing happening just in a slightly different way with vaping as well. And amongst youth, more statistics were released. Basically, you know, it's like, okay, what does it look like that youth vaping has tripled? Is it, has it gone from like 5% to, to, to 15 or 20%? You know, what does that look like? 80% of under 16s in New Zealand have you know, participated in vaping. 80%. 80% of, that is huge. of under 16s. There are more young people vaping in high schools than are not vaping in high schools. Wow. Uh, and that's on a regular basis. Now, to combat this, because New Zealand, at first they were, because New Zealand's a very progressive country, at yeah. first they were pro-vaping. They were like, oh, it's actually, you know, it could help you to come off cigarettes. But then they've seen this dramatic sp- spike in youth Right, uh, youth vaping and so as a result they've brought out new regulations and new legislation that has stopped people from being able to build a vape shops within like 300 meters of schools and things like this but at the same time there are already seven and a half thousand vape shops in New Zealand functioning already before seven and this. Seven and a half thousand. Seven and a half thousand. New Zealand's not a big place. No, no, it's not. That's why, that's why my eyes just went big and my mouth dropped. And, and so <laughs> this is obviously, you know, there have been crazes that have captured the youth throughout all history. Yep. And, and my dad tells me stories. My dad grew up in, in Toronto, went to Toronto High. He tells me stories being, I don't know, 10, 11 years old and smoking cigarettes at school, like these kinds of things. But, and it seems as though it's like, yes, we can take the best and have the most effective stance on smoking. And it seems to be going in this different direction. And it's good that people are standing up for this. A lot of New Zealand citizens are calling mm. out for the total ban of recreational vaping. Absolutely. And smoking I, and the vaping they need to bring, not that's just right. the smoking. And I, I'm behind it. I think that this is a terrible vice. It, it's a terrible addiction to get your kids in. And we see clearly that addiction leads to a worse off life. Absolutely. Addiction to anything leads to a life that is wrought with pain and difficult, difficulty, interpersonal problems, you know, less money, socioeconomic problems. And so, yeah, I guess we just need to pray for New Zealand and see that they can find a solution in this space. Hey, you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM, positively different. 
Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, we're excited about what this day and what the week is going to bring for us. We're getting lots of answers to our quizzes coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're about to go shortly into our interview with, with, um, Les with Pastor Les, but just before we do, we've actually got our next quiz question. Oh, this one's nice and short compared to the other ones. <laughs> the first one was like several lines. You don't need to summarize this one. This one's really good. So mm. just one line. What is it? Absolutely. It's simply this. How did Jesus reveal the one who betrayed him? Ah. If, who would betray him? How did he do it? Hey, 0491-064-669. Again, how did Jesus reveal the one who betrayed him? Our prize for this week, the Silver Hills Spa Cuisine Vegan Cookbook. We want to give it to you absolutely for free. Like, we we want to give yeah, you Yeah, we like book. giving giveaways, so things for free. You just need to win the draw. <laughs> and to get into the draw, of course, you just need to answer questions correctly. We'll be drawing this on... On yeah. Friday, so you have a couple more days to get in. But again, that question was, how did Jesus reveal the one who would betray him? 0491-064-669. That's it. And coming up now, we actually have our um, Pastor Les. Uh, Pastor Les has actually been doing, are you there, Pastor Les? I am. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I do well, thanks. How are you, Danuta? Welcome, welcome. Yeah, I'm doing really well too. It's awesome. good to have you on this show. And I know you, you know, we work together, don't we too? We do, um, we do. And we actually uh, really enjoy working together. But you've done a lot of work in the area of counselling and things like that. And just tell us a little bit about yourself though, hey, because um, our listeners probably don't know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then also introduce the topic that you'll be covering today, please. Thanks, Danuta. Good morning, Danuta, and good morning, Lawson, and good morning to all the listeners. My name is Les, and in the last couple of years, I had the privilege of working as a therapeutic specialist or a behavior support consultant, working with kids that are out of home and writing behavior support plans um, to help support kids that had behaviors that challenge. Mm. For example, you know, there's kids that have just challenging behaviors and the workers don't know what to do. So we'd come in there, wave a magic wand and just help de-escalate the behaviors. Mm. So that's part of the work that I did in the community that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, mm. that's fabulous. And so I, I guess with the parents, there was a lot of work also with the parents, not just the children, because behaviours are, are something that also, can, you know, go right across the board and at homes people want to know what to do. Definitely. Whenever there was opportunity to work with the parents, we did. But most of these kids, um, they had parents that some were incarcerated, some for one reason or the other um, could not provide that support for their kids. And so you're, you're, you're right, Danuta. Um, there was a lot of working with the parents as well because we need that helicopter view of, you know, helping each different system. So including the parents was always a, a vital component of that kind of help. Mm. And so there'll be a lot of trauma issues that you'd have to deal with, I guess, in that space. Yes, yes. Right. That's, that's a beautiful way, beautiful word to use. You introduced the topic for our for our session this morning, I just wanted to talk about a trauma-informed Christian church or a trauma-informed people. What does it look like to be trauma-informed or to have a lens um, that is informed by understanding of what trauma is? Mm. 
Why do you think we need to be informed in regards to trauma when it comes to our Christian churches? You know, it's, I think it's a topic that it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to focus on the bad. I just, I just want to be living my best life. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to be relaxed. You know, I just oh. want to be chilling. <laughs> well, but I, so, I, I, I believe what you're going to share is important, but so why true. take those steps? So true, Lawson. I believe that the Christian church should be the custodian of God's grace, all things that are beautiful. But sometimes there's a bit it. of a, a, a widespread prejudice on matters of mental health. Mm. Um, just because one is a Christian or goes to church, um, sometimes we think, um, I mean, that's a, that's a guaranteed ticket that I'm, I won't have any struggles in my life. Mm. And sometimes, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a bit of hurt that is perpetuated or that continues in the church, you know, mm. and sometimes unwittingly, I, I, I wouldn't hazard knowingly, but there's a lot of pain and hurt um, that, yeah, that people experience um, in the church. Mm. Mm. Can, yeah. you, can you unpack that for us a little bit? And, and when you're saying about how to be trauma-informed, there's obviously some things that you're busting to share with us in that space. Yes. How can we be trauma-informed? What are the things that we need to be looking for in ourselves? Because I, I, it probably starts with ourselves, doesn't it, in some ways, and also then in other people to make things more positive rather than damaging and being yeah. brain, brain, yeah. and breaking one another. I think I think it's so true. First up, we live in a very broken world. There's a lot of brokenness out there. And sometimes it has been said, you know, broken or hurting people hurt others. Mm. And it's so important, um, Danuta, that you mentioned, it's important to self-reflect, be aware of our own difficulty. And that's a very, that's a very good starting point, just to be aware of of where you are in life. Um, mm. Sometimes we perpetuate or continue trauma because ourselves, we are struggling with one or two issues. But I get ahead of myself. Perhaps it might be good for us to give a, a bit of a definition of what of what trauma is. Yes. Um, one scholar defines it as a frightening or dangerous event that poses some threat of violence and causes feelings of desperation and can initiate strong emotions and physical reactions that tend to persist long after the event. So the event might have passed, but the traumatic experience or the trauma, um, you know, perpetuates or continues over time. So it's so important that we, we acknowledge that in as much as the event is in the past, the impact of trauma can continue for years. And there's what we call trigger points or triggers of trauma. It could be a word. It could be a smell. And all of a sudden, the person is experiencing the same kind of difficulty. So it's important that we're just mindful that, you know, there's different types of trauma and there's different types of, of, of triggers out there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So obviously someone has gone through a, a difficult event and, and it's interesting to observe that those triggers aren't usually exactly being confronted with that event, but something that reminds them of the event, something that yes. brings to mind what they've been through and, and like the, the, you know, for the, 
the easy example of that to latch onto and to to observe is say those who have like served in combat or whatever it may be, and they hear mm. a noise or a spark, mm. and immediately they're transported uh, and they're reliving that trauma. So that's it. As a church, then uh, regarding because then isn't there's you know being serving in the military isn't the only you know traumatic experience someone can have as mm. many different forms of trauma that people can can have how do we how do we prepare for that how do we be ready for that how do we um sit in a space where we can actually enable healing from that uh rather than triggering these kinds of things oh i like your questioning they are such leading questions lawson but i'm I'm gonna get to that in a minute Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on my way there, so <laughs> give, give me half a second. I'm getting there. Pull, yeah. pull us back um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe as we as we move towards there, that's gonna be sort of like the crescendo. Or yeah, I'm gonna sum it up in a few minutes, in a minute or two. But I just wanted to highlight that with some of the impacts of trauma, there's this sense of loss of safety, loss of trust, and loss of a sense of self worth mm. and so in preparing ourselves to be a, a trauma-informed people a trauma-informed church these are some of the good starting points you want to enhance safety you want to enhance trust and you want to enhance the sense of of self-worth and all these factors take time don't they you mm. know um a person that is a, a trauma survivor has um you know there's an impact on, on, on one's brain functions and, and there's a shrinkage in certain areas and there's prolonged, um, you know, usage of a part of a brain that can be detrimental to one's health. So enhancing safety, enhancing self-worth are key areas that can help establish trauma. So it's about, it's about safety. It's about choice. It's about collaboration. It's about trustworthiness and empowerment. Those are the key areas that are going to enhance um, or, or lead to a trauma-informed people or a former a trauma-informed church. Safety, choice, collaboration, trustworthiness, and empowerment. Mm. Mm. I like those that you're actually mentioning them there, Liz, um, and. Um, I- so how do, how do we actually work on those? If you're saying we need to actually enhance mm. these, what ways can we actually be doing that? Because it's not, like you said, it's not just in the, it's in the church, but we can sometimes sense it even more in the church because, um, mm. it's, a, it's a more of a, um, not a, not a closed community. That's not what I'm looking for, but a smaller community, uh, that's a representation of the bigger community around us. And so it's really yes. all around us. I even think of when my husband and I lived out in, in, in the outback in, in, in Burke and Brewarana, I remember in six months there were 44 funerals in a small mm. community of one and a half thousand people. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so what we actually saw is that there was trauma upon trauma upon trauma mm. layers mm-hmm. of yes, people that's who, complex. that that they're all related one to another with the with with the family members that are passing away. And so it's just like yes. you know some had family members of four or six passing away within two weeks. It was just mm. like that's intense. So, so, That's so you know, so how and what can we do in these spaces? Mm. I think for me, um, Danuta, it's it's about it's about reflecting on ourselves first. Mm. That that notion of being reflexive, being a reflexive person, is the best gift that we could ever give to humanity. Just reflecting how how, how is this impacting me, and then moving on, we are better able, better equipped, set up 
to help the other person if we are reflective and know exactly what's going on for ourselves. So it's about creating that space where there's open communication, there's loving communication, there's patient communication. So that's that's a key beginning point of just being tolerant of each other and you know we we all have difficult days we all have so many challenges that we face and only if we could walk a mile or two in the other person's shoes that for me will enhance um you know a trauma informed a trauma informed lens and and it's also about um i did mention trustworthiness I did mention safety. Can these people who've experienced such grief and loss, can they feel safe in our community? Can they come to a place where you feel, you know what, I feel this warm embrace. I feel that mm. I'm, I've got a sense of community around me because that's another very vital point. It takes a community to actually wrap their arms around somebody who's struggling. Um, it could be through death it could be through other forms of loss and just the community to wrap their hands around them and say you know what we're in this together you don't have to go this by yourself we are there to give you this proverbial um hug if you please so that's that's one of the vital um areas that i'd point out right there Mm. So that sense of touch for people is almost what I'm hearing from you with the hugs. Cause I know you're like knowing you, you're, you're, you're a real <laughs> huggy person and really positive too. So, mm. but I think yeah. in, a, in a proverbial yeah. sense as well, <laughs> as he was, as he was getting at too, it's that sense that the person can feel included in the community Absolutely. to the point where, and I, I think the idea of getting to a place in which those triggers, uh, Sure, they can be monitored and they can be thought about, but even, you know, to, to have the strength to no longer be affected by them. I don't want to say strength, but again, it, it, because ultimately it's enabled by that community. And if we can do our best as a church community mm. to rally around people, mm. to bring them to a place where it's like, I feel safe. Yes. yes. I feel safe. You know, no matter what comes, yes. I feel safe with these people. I feel safe with this area. And a sense of area. belonging. Then I feel like you, you have that, that double blessing of firstly, that person feels that they're safe, but then furthermore, they can, you, from that position, they who have been, who've gone through those experiences and now are formed about that trauma and whatever it may be can now help others as well. It's, it's mm. almost being a trauma informed church enables discipleship because people it who sure have does. been it sure does. through trauma can then be then, you know, depositors of, of light yeah. and, and help for others yes. who've gone through that. Yeah. So, wow, powerful stuff. You take the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> can I just quickly add, um, a trauma-informed lens encourages encourages us to look beneath the surface of behavior, mm. not just behavior as an action or inaction, but as a form of communication. You know, so we miss that point sometimes, be it in church settings or otherwise. And so, it's so important that all behavior communicate something and we just need to to tune in and mm. ask ourselves stay curious as a church stay open and curious and ask yourselves i wonder what this behavior is communicating what sometimes we see as failure to behave properly even in the church mm. sometimes it's actually failure to communicate properly so oh, wow. that is another aspect of of, of a trauma-informed lens, staying curious, staying open, asking yourself the question, what am I missing? What's what's this behavior telling me? And if we can do that, we're well on our way to becoming a, 
a trauma-informed church and a trauma-informed people. Yeah. And of course, consulting God as well, like asking ourselves the question, what am I missing? But asking God, hey, how can I be a blessing to this person and, and letting the spirit lead? Yeah, Stuff that, you know, we, we, uh, we're privileged and benefited to, to be able to do as Christians. We're going to continue on with the show. Thank you so much, Les, for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.